You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of You Need Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I am your host. I'm so glad you guys made your way back, or made your way here for the first time. I'm actually recording this in my living room. I went to my office to record this intro, but it gets dark early, as we know, and it gets a little creepy, and I get a little scared being in the office by myself, so I brought everything to my house to do it here. It's brighter. I don't know. Anyway, I hope you guys had an awesome week and I am so pumped to be sharing the episode that we have for you with you today. This week on the podcast, we have Ali Fallon, who is amazing. This conversation is awesome. It's one of those conversations where you kind of just like let it go and see where it takes you. But Ali is a award-winning author, a writing coach, and founder of At Let's Find Your Voice. And she actually has a new book coming out called The Power of Writing It Down coming out tomorrow. So if you are someone who likes to write or you are just somebody who wants to learn about writing or anything or you just want to learn about what writing can do, this is the book for you. We definitely talk about the book in this episode and we also just talk about the power that writing has had for Allie in her life and I really appreciate this conversation and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So I'm not going to say anything else. I'll let the episode do all of the talking, the conversation I had with Allie. If you want to follow her, you can just head to Instagram and follow her at at Allie Fallon, A-L-L-Y-F-A-L-L-O-N. While you're there, if you don't follow me, you can follow me at at cat.defada and you can also follow the podcast at at you need therapy podcast. So I hope you enjoy this and I will talk to you guys on Wednesday for Couch Talks. Welcome everybody to you need therapy. I have Allie Fallon on with me. Hi, Allie. Hi, it's so great to be here. Allie is a writer, author, and she has a new book coming out, which I definitely want to talk about. So what is that book called? And um, then we'll go from there. It's called The Power of Writing It Down. A simple habit to unlock your brain and reimagine your life. 
All right. So like, I obviously already want to read that. (laughs) And that already is speaking to me. So you are someone who teaches people how to write. True. How do you become that? (laughs) Accidentally. I knew since I was really young that I wanted to be a writer and that I wanted to write books. But like happens for so many of us, I think, as I moved through high school and into college and started choosing my major and deciding, you know, like what I wanted to do when I grow up, I would tell people I want to be an author, I want to write books. And the the feedback I would always get on that was like, that's so nice. What a great dream to have. You need a backup plan because you can't make money <laughs> writing books. So I was like, oh no, okay, I need a backup plan. So what I ended up doing was getting a degree in education and teaching writing, which was not the right fit for me. I taught for three years in the public school system in Portland and realized what made me realize it was that it wasn't the right fit for me was that so many people I worked with were just way better at it than I was. I was like, I am not good at this job. Writing or teaching writing? Teaching. Okay. Teaching okay. in the public school system. Okay. So I left that job with nothing more than really an ambition to write a book and knowing that I needed to make this happen for myself. I was like in my early twenties and I was like, you know what, if I am going to make a decision like this right now, where I give up a steady, steady paycheck and a 401k to go after this dream of writing a book, then there's no better time than right now to do that. I did that. And I spent three years really struggling to get my words on the page and also really struggling to get this book out in the world. But I kept having this feeling like I just know that I have a story to tell and I know I have something I wanted to say. So that's how I landed in this part of my work is that through that struggle, I realized there were a lot of people out there who knew they wanted to write something, but weren't really sure what that meant. Like, does that mean that I'm supposed to publish this thing or do I just, you know, is this just for myself that I'm writing it? And then on the publishing side of things, I realized that there were a lot of writers who needed some help and support knowing like how to get their work out in the world. And so I started coaching writers and that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years of my career. Which is awesome because I don't think a lot of people realize could coach, I mean, a coach or writer, I didn't even know that was a thing. So I think that's yeah. awesome for one. <laughs> I want to know, I guess, for in the, the most recent book that's coming out, who do you think it's for? Like, what? who is this book directly like written yeah. for? I wrote this book because there were a lot of books out in the world for people who know they want to publish. So books that are great mm-hmm. resources on you know, like how to get published or how to tell a story or the technical pieces of writing, but there wasn't a book out there for people who know they have something they want to say through writing, but they aren't sure what that even means. So some people like this comes out when I, when I talk to people, people will say things like, I have a story that I want to share. You know, I'm not sure who it's for, or I've always wanted to write a screenplay, you know, like it's so cool that you teach people how to write books. I've always dreamed of writing a book, but I wouldn't even have any idea where to start or you know, people who just really enjoy journaling, like the process of processing their life through the written word. There wasn't a book out there for those people to encourage them, you know, to write and show them how to write and help them use the tool of writing as a way to create Mm -hmm. positive change in their life without needing there to be some sort of publishing piece of the of the end. Okay, I love that. Because I think that writing can be for anybody. I don't have a book out there. I love to write and I love to journal. And I think now there's more opportunity than ever, especially with the power of Instagram and you can get your words out there fast and to a large audience. And so I think that's really cool that you're showing people that you don't have to be learning how to write so you can publish a book or write a screenplay or something like that. You can be writing to change your own life and to affect yourself. Totally. I think this is the most 
important part of the writing process. Like there's just not a person who doesn't stand a benefit from a writing practice with as little as five minutes a day. So the thing I always say is like, why wouldn't you write? If, if in as little Mm -hmm. as five minutes a day, if you can help yourself to feel better about your life and to feel like you have more control over the little details, all the details that we want to have control over in our life. If there's a tool that could help us do that, like why wouldn't we do it when we have cheesy access to it? So are you open to talking a little bit about how writing has essentially shaped and changed your life? Yes. I don't even know where to start with that question, (laughs) but I just know it probably has. Yes. Yes. The backstory of that is writing has always been this place for me that I've gone to talk about or process things that I didn't feel like I could process other places. It's always felt like a really safe place for me. And I'm imagining that people listening are probably split into two camps about that. Some people feel that way about writing and some people feel like, hell no, writing sounds miserable. It sounds like the worst thing that I could ever want to do. And, (laughs) and, you know, like all I remember is my English teacher just telling me like, I'm not good at this. And so Mm. we're usually split into two camps on that. Like some people just are already drawn to writing and journaling and really love it. And then other people are on the other side of the, on the other side of the fence. I think writing is something to offer to all of us, but um, I just thought I would acknowledge that. So that's the backstory for me is that I've always been really naturally drawn to the process of writing, but it wasn't until I was into my career as a writing coach that I really saw how writing could have this transformative impact on my personal life and my personal story. What happened was I had been using a process to teach people how to outline their books so that they could publish them. And some of the people who came through that process were not necessarily on a traditional publishing track. They were like, I have an interesting story to tell. I don't know if I'll self-publish this book, but I'm just, you know, definitely want to get it down. What's a traditional publishing path? Just because I have no idea. I'm just yeah, a traditional publishing path would be like someone who wants to create a career as an author and who okay. signs a contract with a traditional publisher like Penguin Random House or, you know, your Nashville based. There's like, you know, HarperCollins or Thomas Nelson mm-hmm. or any of these traditional publishers that distribute books to like all of the major bookstores. So there's like a whole set of hoops that you have to jump through if you want to publish a book in a traditional sense. But the reason I mentioned this is that in the present day that we're living in, anybody can publish a book. You can use, Amazon has a resource called um, Kindle Direct Publishers that anybody could write a book and upload their, their document to Amazon and you can sell your book on Amazon. You don't have to ask permission or have a publisher. Wait, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. You could like write a long soliloquy about whatever you wanted and you could just upload it to Amazon and you could sell your book on Amazon. And Amazon would print, they, they print on demand. So if a customer orders your book, they would print one copy and send it directly to the customer. So you wouldn't even have to manage any of the distribution. Great. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> so, so that's just a little piece of information for everybody. Yeah. I mean, but I guess, so the whole point is like, you don't even <laughs> want to do any of that in order for writing to have a benefit right. for you, but it's just interesting. It changes the conversation about publishing versus not publishing because yeah. it used to be that only, you know, only a certain small group of people were allowed to publish their work with the world. And now literally anybody can do that. Anybody. I mean, I, I make this distinction all the time, but like you could pick up your iPhone and type a few words into Instagram and hit send and you're technically publishing your work with the world. So yeah, it's, you know, it changes the conversation about what it means to be published because it all exists on the spectrum. So what happened for me is I was in the middle of writing a book for a traditional publisher. The book was about marriage. I was married at the time. And I was really, really stuck writing the book. I was staring at the blinking cursor every day. I had a deadline on this project. I was making no progress. I was super frustrated. And while I was doing this, my marriage fell apart. So I'm writing this book on marriage. 
and then my marriage falls apart. It's like a um, book on marriage. Yes. The, the irony is like, as yeah. it could possibly be. So what I decided to do as I left that marriage was to do what I had been doing for all of these other writers and to follow the process of writing my own personal story of leaving the marriage. So it was a very different book than the one that I had been working on. And at the time, I didn't think it was a book. I thought it was just me doing what I had been teaching other people to do and to write out the story. And what I discovered was that when I followed this process, I've been teaching other people and I put myself as the hero of my own story, it unlocked the story for me. And I started telling the story really differently. So instead of telling the story, like this horrible thing happened to me and I can't believe that I fell for this guy and he lied to me and and I now I've been betrayed and this always happens to me. Instead of telling the story like that, it was like, I'm the hero of this story and there are these Mm -hmm. obstacles in my way and I'm overcoming the obstacles. And at the end of the movie, the last scene on the screen is me Mm -hmm. standing there victorious, having overcome this this obstacle that was thrown in, in my way. And I've transformed as a character. And it, it's this really inspiring, amazing story about the hero, which is me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, changing the way that I told my story to myself, changed the way that I felt about myself. It changed what I felt that I was capable of doing. It raised my confidence. It you know, helped me get through like one of the darkest times of my life. And so that was when I had been teaching this all along that writing is such a powerful way to transform your own life. But that was when it really clicked for me. I was like, oh, I would literally not be sitting where I am if it hadn't been for that process. So it's so interesting that you're even talking about that because this week I've been talking just with clients a lot about the transition of being a victim and waiting for somebody to rescue you. There's this thing called the drama triangle. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. You have? Yes. Okay. Which for anybody listening, sometimes it's called, it's called the Cartman triangle too, but I call it the drama triangle because it's easier and more familiar, but it has three players on this triangle. There's a victim, there's a rescuer, and there's a perpetrator. And what we do a lot in life is we get on these triangles with people in our lives and it doesn't matter how you start. Everybody has a start gate position, a normal one. Mine usually is a rescuer, which that doesn't mean it's good. But no matter how you start, you always end up as a victim if you stay on that triangle yeah. in some way. And so what you're expressing right now is a way for you to get off of mm-hmm. that triangle. And instead of waiting for somebody to either rescue you or sitting there and blaming other people for what has happened to you, you are taking responsibility for making positive change, probably creating some boundaries, probably lowering some expectations of the world, doing a lot of self-care. And and I think that's so cool. I just think that's interesting for this week that I've been talking. I don't know why it's come up so much this week, but it has. But this is a beautiful way to use writing as a helpful tool to get out of these tangled relationships because we all have one of those. Totally. Yes. And it helps you, the the writing process helps you to zoom out and to just see what's happening, which is always the first step to creating meaningful change, right? To be able to see clearly what's happening. So that's what happened for me as I started to write down my story and read it back to myself. I realized like, wow, I really am somehow playing the victim in this story. And the hard part about this is I wonder if some of your listeners will identify, and maybe you do too, that there were certain places where I deserved to consider myself the victim. <laughs> there were like certain parts oh, of the story yeah. where I actually was a victim. Mm-hmm. And so there were times when I was like, wait a second, like I, I actually really do deserve to be called the victim. But at the end of the day, I think we have to ask ourselves the question, like, do I want to sit in that victim seat forever? Or do yeah. I want to 
move myself into the driver's seat of this car and decide that this is my life and I'm the only one who gets to decide how it's going to go and I get to make the decisions to get where I'm where I'm trying to end up. I think that's an important distinction because a hundred percent we don't control other people's actions and so we are victims at certain stages in our lives and in certain experiences and we can change that victimhood we can we can become helpless in that or we can transform that into surviving something rather than continuing to be a victim in that for the rest of our lives it's super hard and it's really easy to verbalize and talk about once you're out of it but i do want to say for anybody listening it is hard to make that transition so hard it's like built into your dna it's cellular you know i mean the re- yeah. the, the familiarity of that dynamic with another person is so even if you get out of one situation it's easy to fall back into another situation because it's so familiar yeah well and so i'm sure writing helped you see that and how did writing help you see that you were playing or was it just I, I noticed that and then I started writing or as you were writing and journaling, did you see, wait a second, there's a theme here? Yeah, it, it, it's the second way. So it wasn't okay. until I started writing that I really started seeing it clearly. The writing process will show you yourself clearly. It's about as reliable yeah. as looking in a mirror. You cannot write and not see yourself clearly, which is why, by the way, so many of us avoid our own writing. Mm-hmm. I was going <laughs> to say that. Yep. It's like when you're having a bad hair day and you're like, I just want to look at myself in the mirror because that's easier. So the writing process will show us ourselves clearly, but two things I want to say, number one is part of how it does that is it shows us our patterns. Yeah. If you journal daily, you'll start to notice the same words, the same phrases, the same tone, the Mm. same people showing up in your writing again and again and again, and you will eventually get sick of yourself. You'll be like, why am I talking about this person again? I'm so Mm. annoyed with myself. I literally want to move on so badly. I do not want to talk about this person ever again. Or Mm -hmm. you might find yourself just like, you're like, why am I such a whiner? Like I'm like whining and whining and whining about how bad my life is. And I have a really good life, you know? So what's helpful about that is once you start to recognize and notice those patterns, now you have the capability to change them. Before Mm -hmm. we recognize them and they're operating on a subconscious level, they're driving our behavior, driving our responses and reactions. They're driving, they're, they're creating the outcomes that we're experiencing in our lives. And we actually just don't even know that they're happening. All we see is the outcome. And we think like, why do I keep getting this outcome over and over again? The writing process reveals to us all the steps in the process so that we can actually reroute that cycle. Um, And then the second thing is that specifically, if you're writing out one particular story to your life, I like to help people like tell one life story, because when you look at how narratives work, especially in the West, narratives always work the same way. They always have the same couple of characters. They Mm -hmm. always unfold the same way. You know, every movie that you go watch is pretty much just the same Mm -hmm. story told through a different lens. Mm -hmm. When you start to put your own life events in a narrative structure like that, and you say like, okay, there's a hero to the story. I'm putting myself in the position of the hero. There's going to be a guiding character in the story. And that guide is going to, you know, like give me some advice about like what I should do next. Um, There are going to be lots of obstacles that are put in my way and I'm going to have to overcome those obstacles. You begin to see yourself as the protagonist of your own story, which is Mm -hmm. what I was talking about before. It's incredibly powerful to start to go like, okay, wait, if, if we're ever going to get to this, you know, beautiful climactic scene at the end of the movie where everything works out perfectly. The only character in the story who can make that happen is me. There's Mm -hmm. nobody else. Like I'm sitting here waiting on someone else. Like I'm like waiting on like this, like handsome man to show up at my doorstep and ask me on a date. But like, I'm not doing anything to make that. That's a a familiar story. Reality for myself. Yeah. Or like, I'm just like hoping 
from maybe a business or a career perspective, like yeah. I'm hoping that like someone's just going to reach out on LinkedIn and like mm-hmm. offer me this incredible job. Or like, I'm hoping someone's going to like retweet my tweet and I'm going to get like all this, you know, like Oprah is going to find my book and it's going to end. Like, we're all hoping for like mm-hmm. someone outside of us to do something or take an action that's going to change our outcome. And the, the reality of the matter is we are the only ones who can take any kind of meaningful action that's going to change our outcome. Writing your story will show you that over and over again. Yes. And how cool is that, that writing can do that? I feel like I have said that to some people in my life and in work a million different ways. And for some reason, it's like they don't hear it. And I don't think that's their fault. But I think once you see something written down, like the power of seeing something written down, like just using the idea of like a pro con list, we can have those thoughts running through our head all day long and we still can't make a decision. And then we write it down and we're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the decision is obvious. Totally. Here's the other crazy thing about the writing process is because writing accesses a different part of your brain than speaking does, you might talk all day long with a friend and tell them how you feel about a certain subject. But when you sit down and you write about that subject, you'll find yourself writing things that you go, I didn't even know I thought that. I've never heard myself say anything like that in my life before, but you're accessing a different part of your brain than you're accessing when you communicate verbally. And so you'll uncover truths about yourself that you didn't even realize were true. Hey guys, Kat here. And I have something very important to talk to you guys about. Now, I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick, or you just need a little extra boost, I think I found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy Earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you're stepping into a buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you Unique Therapy after you check out. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Because this is also wonderful, and, and because I think that journaling is such a, just journaling anything, it's such a powerful coping skill and tool for people who are working on any parts of their story. Mm-hmm. And I get the response of, I don't like it so much, or I just can't remember to do it, or it just takes so long, or I don't know what to say, or nothing comes out. Yeah. Do you have some tips for people who need to start this practice, but just get so stuck? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the first tip is a mindset shift. It's just deciding I am a writer. So every person who's listening who wants to implement this practice in your life, you have to decide I'm a writer. What's interesting is so few of us are willing to adopt our own identity. When I, it's been a long time since I've traveled, traveled anywhere to speak in front of a big group of people. But when I used to do that, I would always ask at the beginning of the presentation, how many of you in in here would consider yourself a writer? And I'd ask for them to raise their hands. And in a group of like a thousand people, you'd get like, you know, 25 of them who would raise their hands and be like, oh yeah, I'm a writer. The rest of everyone else is sort of like, I don't know, am I allowed to like, you know, sometimes there'd even be people in the audience who I'm like, I've helped you write a book, like you've written it. So like, raise your hand. But there's something about owning that identity of writer that just yeah. feels so hard for us. And then I would say, how many of you in here write, and com- write, compose, and send at least three emails or text messages every single day? And of course, everybody, okay, yeah, well, I have to raise my hand for that one. It's weird that we have, that we like disinclude ourselves from the the group of writers when we're literally writing as a practice Mm. every single day in our lives. We have to readopt this identity of writer if we're going to overcome the internal emotional resistance or blockages that we have to actually getting the writing done. So I think a lot of the reason why people complain about not liking the writing process is because of perfectionism, because we think that when we sit down to the page, we need to write something mm-hmm. that's publishable and it needs to be perfect and beautiful. And we assume, cause we've read other people's writing that, you know, like the books that are on our shelves and it's so beautiful that we assume that Anne Lamott or Donald Miller or whatever other writer we admire, like sits down and then like these beautiful words just like flow from their fingertips mm-hmm. without any effort. And And we're just wrong about all of that. That's not how great writing happens. Nobody writes really well on their first draft. And we all have the same insecurities and hangups and struggles and obstacles when it comes to the writing process. So I think we just need to get over this idea uh, that we have about the writing process, that it's easy for some people and hard for other people. It's not, it's hard for everyone. We need to get over the idea that we're not a writer. We need to get over the idea that our first draft should be perfect. It's never perfect. We need to get over the idea that we ever have to share this with anyone because we do not. It yeah. could be like a note to ourselves that we write so that we can see it later. Yeah, I don't know. That would be my encouragement is, is really just a mindset shift. I like the part you're talking about, the perfectionism, because I talk about this all the time, too. And obviously, because it's an issue, but we have such a hard time starting things as adults. Totally. We just do. And uh, I'm so grateful for you sharing the the behind the scenes of like nobody's first draft is is great like it doesn't look like that and if you're and you don't have to share this and this is not about it being a finished product you're working towards it's a practice 100% and a practice is not ever supposed to be perfect yes totally that's why it's called a practice 
And, you know, our relationship to writing will reflect our relationship to life. There are so many really Mm. beautiful parallels between the two. So if you find yourself resisting your writing because you're not perfect at it, ask yourself, what else do I resist in my life because I'm not perfect at it? What else Mm. am I avoiding doing that I actually really want to do because I'm afraid I might not be perfect Mm -hmm. at it? Am I avoiding relationships because I'm afraid Mm -hmm. I won't be perfect at them? Am I avoiding asking my boss for a raise because I'm not sure exactly what words I should say when I have that conversation? Am I avoiding starting a business because I'm afraid of it not being perfect and what people are gonna say about me or people judging me or whatever? Our relationship to writing will always reflect our relationship to other things in our life. I love that too, because I think that there are so many parallels that come up and, and people who listen to this that go to therapy, which a lot of the listeners do, so often the thing that you talk about in therapy isn't the issue, right? <laughs> so often. It's like, I'm so mad that my mom yelled at me yesterday. I'm like, you're yeah. not mad at what you're, you're not even mad about that. There's something way, or the whole trash conversation when it comes to relationships. You're not really mad that he's not taking out the trash. Yeah. There's something underneath that. Like totally. that's mirroring something else. And so, you know what? I heard from a therapist a couple years ago, we were talking about uh, relationships and a struggle I was having in a relationship in my life. And she said to me, she said, Catherine, you are the type of person who, when you're in a relationship with somebody, you hold up a mirror and so they can see themselves and they see themselves exactly how they look. And a lot of people don't want to do that. (laughs) A lot of people don't want to look at themselves in the mirror, which goes back to what you were saying of like avoidance. And so a hundred percent when you're writing and you're noticing that like this isn't going perfectly and all this stuff isn't just lining up and the words don't line up perfectly and it doesn't sound eloquent and it doesn't flow easily. Yeah, you're not perfect at writing, but that's not the issue because you probably don't even care about writing. You care about the practice of it, but for these are for people who aren't trying to write a book they're trying to do an assignment for their therapist yes and so what's happening is that is mirroring a lot of their issues what you're saying in real life and a lot of people just don't want to look in the mirror it's true so many of us don't want to look in the mirror because if we did yeah we'd be confronted with the things about our lives that we're terrified to change yeah so you know all of the power to create positive change in your life lies within you And the only thing keeping you from accessing that power is that you don't really want to look at it. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to answer this, but I'm curious. It was if there's a point in your life where that was a fight for you and looking at the mirror, it was really hard and why it was hard for you. Because I know I have my own story behind that of why change and noticing the imperfections that I saw. Because imperfection, we're not just talking about imperfection in writing. We're talking about imperfection as and being a human being totally were there certain things that popped up for you that you were like I don't want to face this and then you just had to lean into it yeah 100% I mean especially writing through my divorce that was the the biggest thing for me I feel like that was a, a leverage point in my life when I really made the decision to go from telling my story as the victim in the story to telling my story as the hero of the story yeah. and I used writing as a tool to make that shift but What happened for me when I wrote down the first draft of that story is I didn't like the way that it sounded. I wrote down the first draft and and I told myself, I'm going to write this first draft and I'm going to tell it like it is. Like I'm telling the truth, you know, all these things that I've kept secret for all this time, like who cares? Screw him. I'm telling everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And I wrote down the first draft of that story and I thought it was going to feel really cathartic. And the process of writing it did actually feel quite cathartic, but the process of reading it back to myself, I realized like, I sound like a whiner. <laughs> I sound like a child. Like yeah. I just, it's like it's like mom. He threw the 
that's what it sounded like to me. It was just like, he took, he took my toy and he took, instead of like, I wasn't even writing about myself. I wasn't even writing the story from my own perspective. So I was like, why am I wasting so much time and energy talking about him when this is not a story about him? This is a story about me. Mm. When I made that switch and when I went through to do the second edit of this and to see if I could turn it into something I could feel really proud of, what I realized is that there was a question I had to ask myself if I moved myself into the position of hero in the story. As the position of hero in the story, the story's about me and I drive the action of the story. Mm -hmm. So I had to ask myself the question, why did I marry someone? Why did this this 26-year-old girl that I was writing about marry someone she did not love? That's the story question that was driving the story. And I had to answer that question. So I saw all of a sudden it was like, it was like, like a brain explosion. Like I was like, no wonder I haven't wanted to put myself into the position of hero because in order to do that, I had to ask myself the real question that's driving this story, which is why would she do this? She was a grown woman. It wasn't like I was 14. I I knew exactly what I was doing. And I walked myself down the aisle as a 26 year old woman making my own choices. And, you know, I mean, there are a lot of elements that go along with that. I feel like there was manipulation happening and all kinds of reasons why I made that choice. But at the end of the day, I was a 26 year old woman who could make my own choices. And I made that choice for myself. But what a hard question. Talk about moving from victim to hero right there of it that goes from why is this happening to me and that just turns everything around totally everything and what I can't imagine the wrestling you would have to do to answer that question and because that is a huge shift I feel like it's really important to say too and you kind of mentioned this before but it was excruciatingly painful to answer that question for myself like excruciating Because it also, you know, taking accountability for our lives sounds like this really nice thing. It's like, oh yeah, I get to make my own decisions <laughs> and create my own life. But it's it also means that all this shit that goes on in our lives, like we have to clean up our side of the street too. Mm-hmm. And so that part was really hard for me. It was hard for me to own and accept that it wasn't like w- the pain that I had experienced was partially self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. that I had always had the power to say no. I had always had the power to leave and I just had not exercised it. That was really, really hard for me to come to terms with. Yeah. The great thing is once I came to terms with it, then I had it and I have it now. Now mm-hmm. I have it. I live this life. You know, I'm married again, very happily. Like the contrast between my first marriage and my marriage now is like inexplicable. It's like, <laughs> I was like, wow, if I had known that marriage could be this good, I would not have stayed yeah. this long in the last one. <laughs> And I have a, a five-month-old daughter, which I, you know, I've always wanted to be a mother. And I'm running my own business. And I, you know, I've written three of my own books now, and a bunch of books for other people. So I do work that I love. I get to work with people that I love. I make really good money. Like I live a life now that I'm really proud of and really excited about. And I wake up every day, not like I don't have problems like everybody, but I just wake up every day really excited to be me. And I really like myself. I, I couldn't have said that that was true for myself five years ago. Yeah. And I'm just putting myself in the words you're saying. And I went through, I wasn't married, but I went through a breakup with somebody years ago. He was very manipulative. It was horrible. I was devastated when it ended. And I remember I was not to the point that you got to yet. (laughs) And I was sitting at work crying in between sessions one day and a guy that I worked with came in and he was like what's wrong and I was telling him I broke up with my boyfriend and I asked him a question about if people like him could change I said do you think that this person could change because I loved this person he just wasn't very healthy and he said I don't think that's the question you should be asking (laughs) 
I was dead pissed off when he said this. Yes. So mad. He said, I don't think that's the question you should be asking. You should be asking why you stayed with him that long. 100%. And I was so mad. So two parts in that he had the right question bad timing (laughs) because it was like the day or two after I broke up (laughs) and I was still in this like grieving I needed it to be this other person's fault first I needed to be whiny for a second and I think there was a lot that it was not my fault and I did have a played a huge role in staying in that relationship and I can even see now that I'm just reflecting through my writing and the things that I used to write about versus the things I write about now I write a letter to myself every year at the end of the year just reflecting on the the big year and that year it was all like the world's against me this isn't fair like why 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 is this happening to me last year I can't I haven't written this year's letter yeah, but last year's was all about what I've learned from each horrible experience. Mm. Like I went through each really hard thing I went through that year and and what took it, what I learned and had a hope for each one of those things moving forward. And I don't think that I knew this shift that was happening, but just listening to you talk, I mean, this is just for anybody out there. I didn't know what I was doing, but through writing, I was transforming and in therapy, lots of therapy, sure. transforming how I was talking about my life experiences. Yes. It's Wild. so important. It's so important. You know, I mean, like the, the question that you were asking, like, do you think it's possible for him to change? Doesn't make for an interesting story. Like you couldn't really write a movie about that, but what would make for an interesting story is how would I have to change in order to make sure this never happens again? What yeah. would I have to do differently. You know, that's a much more interesting story. That's a movie that I would watch. I would want to watch mm-hmm. that unfold. How is this woman, this heroine in the story, like how does she have to change to make sure she never gets into that position yeah. ever again? I mean, that right there is powerful because I'm now visualizing watching a movie about a girl who is in love with this guy who's hurting her and then waits around for him to change his behavior. It's like, like, I would be screaming at the TV being like, yeah, I'd be like, don't take him back. But the other story, I would be like, yes, go girl. You, the first story, you'd be like, worst movie ever. Zero stars. Yes. I want my money back, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I just love looking back and seeing that shift and how writing helped with that. I love that. Okay, so now this, we kind of sidetracked from the original question of what would you say to people that have a hard time with this? So one was the mind sh- mindset shift, mm-hmm. changing how you're thinking about what you're doing. What would you say for people who aren't going through, who don't know they're going through a huge transformative part in their life, who just want to start a practice? Are there questions to avoid, like we talked about, and a questions to answer? Yeah, so what I would focus on for anybody who wants to use this practice as a way to create positive transformation information in their life to focus on events from your day-to-day that feel charged. So the the reason I say it that way is everybody has events from day-to-day that feel charged. So Mm -hmm. some are going to feel more charged than others. Uh, Some are going to feel less charged. That's somewhere on a spectrum. But um, what I mean by charged is just events that have a little bit of electricity to them. Mm -hmm. So like, let me just give you like an extreme example to, to make that make sense. You might have like recently lost a friend or family member Maybe it was to COVID or, or not, but something like that would be an extremely charged event. You're going to have like electric feelings about that event. Now, something much simpler, like someone cuts you off in traffic and it pisses you off. That's also a charged event, but maybe not quite as charged. 
-hmm. All of the leverage to create change in our life is in those charged events because of, and I don't know, your audience might be very familiar with the cognitive behavioral model because I know you talk about you know, mm-hmm. therapy on this show, yeah. but because of the way that that model is set up, which is like, you know, things happen in your life, which lead to thoughts, which lead to feelings, which lead to reactions, which lead to results. So because that cycle is at play, what I'm suggesting is just entering into the cycle from the feeling point. So noticing events in your life that make you feel something in particular, entering in from that point and then writing about it so that you can uncover the thoughts that are at work in that cycle. The beauty is so many of these thoughts are operating at a subconscious level that we just assume it's the event. Like if you get cut off in traffic and you, maybe it makes you mad and you're like, this always happens to me. People, nobody gives a crap about me. Everyone just always just like makes their way in front of me. You know, there's so much happening inside of that event that you could use for your own self-exploration, self-discovery, transformation, that most of us just move on with the event and we think like, we're just like, what a terrible day. The dude cut me off this morning. You know, the lunch delivery came and they delivered my wrong lunch. My husband completely ignored me. He was on his phone all night. And, you know, I tried to watch The Bachelorette and it was canceled this week and not until next week. Like, you know, the world is just such a hard place to live. <laughs> like, we, we like invent a narrative. We like string these things together and invent a narrative rather than taking one of those situations, digging into it, trying to figure out like, what is the thought process that's going on inside of us that's causing us to have this same really similar experience over and over again. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think that is a great place to start because I think people don't know what to say when they have a pen in their hand all of a sudden, but it's like, just talk about your day and then go through the thoughts, feelings, behaviors, all of that. So we can string it together. People can even do that in a bullet point form. They don't have to, it doesn't have to be a story format. You can just jot things and scribble down. And that, then you see common themes. Every time this happens, what are my thoughts saying? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It brings you into touch with what happens in your brain when Mm -hmm. someone cuts you off in traffic or your favorite show is canceled or they deliver the wrong thing for dinner. You'll find the patterns. You're going to find that you say the same things to yourself over and over and over again. Yeah. Out of curiosity, do you recommend when people are starting like a a writing process that's going to impact their life? What's the consistency? What do you recommend? I recommend daily. So the the research shows that if you write for as little as 20 minutes a day for four days in a row, you can see measurable changes in your life for up to six months, which is research based. That's crazy. Yes. So, so she's not making this up. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not inventing this. Like it's, no. And the types of, of like the impact you can see is so physical and visceral. You can literally see your immune system function better. So people who write regularly visit the doctor 50% less often for upper respiratory infections and flu. So your immune system is actually functioning better when you're writing regularly. And like I mentioned, you could write for four days in a row and you could not write again for six months and you would still be seeing the benefits in six months from now. However, the reason that I recommend writing every day is because what happens is if you write for four days in a row for 20 minutes at a time and you forget about the practice altogether, six months are gonna go by and you're gonna not have this habit in your life and you're just gonna move on. It's way, way, way too easy to fall out of the habit. Just like it would be if I told you you had to work out for four days Mm -hmm. a month, you would probably never work out again (laughs) because you wouldn't be in a consistent daily habit. So I prefer when I'm teaching people to, to build this habit into their everyday life to say, Maybe you don't feel like you have 20 minutes every day to give to this. Maybe you have five. Can you do five? Can you commit to five minutes every single day without taking a break? Because five minutes is just five minutes. It's taking five minutes for yourself to reflect, you know, 
to pause, to think about your day, to reflect on yourself. Honestly, it's more realistic. And at the end of the day, probably more helpful than 20 minutes a day for four days every six months. I like that because that brings up the idea of scaffolding behaviors, which when we're trying to create new habits, I don't know who came up with the like a habit is formed in however many days. One days, yeah. I don't know if that, I don't think that's true. I think somebody just like chose that. <laughs> I, it might, I don't know where the research lies on that, but I think habits take longer than that. Totally. And I think that it's really hard to go into these big extreme ideas. And we do that in the new year. We always have these big extreme ideas. Like I'm going to work out every single day for two hours, which we don't need to do that anyway. Yeah. Or I'm going to to write for an hour every single day. I'm going to get up two hours early and sit with my coffee on the porch and and read my Bible. It's like, wait a second, you're not going to be doing anything every single day for two hours. Like you're not going to do that. We get so let down by ourselves and we don't follow through perfectly that we're just like, oh, whatever. Or we say it's not working. And it's like, well, that's because you're not doing it. (laughs) And (laughs) usually because the goal's too big. So I like the idea of scaffolding. Maybe somebody wants to write for an hour every day. I'm not saying that's not possible, but it's really, really hard to attain something when we go zero to 100. 100, So if we do five minutes a day, and once that feels really normal and like routine, okay, then try for like 10 minutes a day and see how you do. There also was this study. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to botch this. Someone will have to look up the actual study, but a study uh, about flossing that they think they did at Harvard to try to see what it would take to get people to floss every day. And they have this Ooh, I'm interested in control, this. control group where they had them floss one tooth every day. And the control group who flossed one tooth every day would floss all their teeth. Because it's like, well, you've already overcome the barrier to flossing. So you're already flossing the one tooth. You might as well just like go down the line and floss the rest of them. Again, I might be getting the study kind of wrong, but I think the sentiment behind the study is right. what I'm trying to communicate, which is like, if you commit to yourself that you're going to write for five minutes a day, it's such a low barrier entry point that you sit down and you do your writing and you might write for 20 minutes or 30 or an hour. Is some days you might write for two hours, maybe, and think of how accomplished you'll feel then because you're like, Well, I was only supposed to write for five and I wrote for overachiever. Two hours. I'm amazing, yeah. yeah. But if we can create such a low barrier of an entry point, like flossing one tooth, then chances are we're gonna yeah. floss the one tooth. And well, we're already here, we've already got the floss in our hands, we might as well just floss the yeah. Right. That's amazing. It doesn't it doesn't matter what the actual research story is behind that because that I think that would be true anyway. Yeah, like yeah. I think with we don't need the research that would ha- totally happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I like the idea of like try like really shoot low, lower your expectations <laughs> and let yourself let yourself impress yourself rather yeah. than disappoint yourself. I love that. Let yourself impress yourself rather than disappoint yourself. Why would you set yourself up to, to disappoint yourself? Yeah, I don't like that. Okay, well, thank you for I think all of this has been really helpful. And especially for me, um, because I do think that, again, like I've said, journaling and writing is so helpful for somebody's mental health journey. And it's just really hard to get someone started doing it. It's a really great idea. But when it comes down to it, it's hard to put it into action. And I think some of the things that you've shared have definitely helped make it seem more feasible. Good. Really does give some light behind why you would do this and how it would help you. I love that. So glad. People can go get your book now. Can you again tell us what it's called, where they can get it and all of that so they know? Called The Power of Writing It Down by Allison Fallon. That's my name. And uh, you can get it wherever books are sold. So if you like to purchase books at your local independent bookstore, I like to encourage people to do that because mm-hmm. independent bookstores are hurting right now. All of those bookstores should carry the book. 
Also, all of the big box retailers will carry it. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, Target, Walmart, yeah. et, cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And then you normally speak often, not, not in COVID times. I do. But... Outside of COVID times, I speak at least once a month. Okay. Well, the, where can people just find you just to see more of you? I always say the best place to keep up with me is on Instagram. It's the social okay. media profile that I use the most often. My handle there is, is Allie Fallon, A-L-L-Y okay. and then Fallon. Like Jimmy. Awesome. We'll put all the links in there, but this was great. Thank you for doing <laughs> Thank this. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.